You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and click donate. This is not, though, remember, it's not a pray-only parable either. The widow not only prays to her God, but she also stands up to the judge. Jesus is saying to oppressed people, keep pushing for justice. If change is to come, this is the only way it'll come. Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 347, and our title this week is An Unjust Judge. In Luke's gospel, we read this story in Luke 18, 2 through 8. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared for what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but he finally said to him, even though I don't fear God and care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust says, unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. In this story, we read about an important woman who, who refused to be passive in the face of injustice. Key elements and clues tell us explicitly that this is not a parable about the prayers of the privileged, but rather it's a, it's a parable for those who daily face oppression or marginalization or, or, or disenfranchisement. This story includes, in verse 2, a judge. And the word judge here refers to a, a magistrate or a ruler who presides over the affairs of government. Then there's a widow in verse 3. And widows in the first century, especially first century patriarchal cultures, they lived in an oppressed social context. And then there's another clue. The, the judge, it says, neither feared God nor had respect for people. And that's in verse 2. The widow was pleading for equity, what today could be called social justice. And, and, and justice came after her prolonged effort to make the judge uncomfortable. She cried day and night, it says in verse 7. And Luke's audience, uh, for Luke's audience, that, 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 that's, that phrase, it would have evoked Israel's slavery in Egypt, the narrative of, of Israel's slavery in Egypt. And they too, it says in Exodus 2.23, groaned under their slavery and cried out day and night. In the Exodus narrative, God says to Moses, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. <clears throat> and I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Again, that's Exodus 3, uh, verse 7. The, these are not prayers by those in privileged social locations. These are, are, aren't prayers to get a, a promotion in an already high-paying job or an A at an Ivy League school or to... to, to, to to stop your favorite sitcom from being canceled this season. These are prayers from those who cry out to a God who is an advocate in solidarity with oppressed people. These are cries for an end to oppression, to violence to in, and injustice. Cries from those who, who face marginalization or mistreatment or mischaracterization, whose, whose plight is it's easily ignored by those seemingly 
unaffected by the injustice that this group faces. This is not, though, remember, it's not a pray-only parable either. The widow not only prays to her God, but she also stands up to the judge. And the implied source of the injustice that, that she's enduring is this judge. He has the power to bring it to an end. Jesus is saying to oppressed people, keep pushing for justice. If change is to come, This is the only way it'll come. Oppressors don't let go of their power and privilege to harm others on their own. Injustice, oppression, and violence is a violation of Jesus's just future. So so in this story from Jesus, we see an advocate God alongside those engaged in a formidable struggle against all oppression, injustice, and violence. And, And From the the lowly manger all the way through Luke's gospel to the resurrection of Jesus from an unjust Roman crucifixion at the hands of the elites, Jesus' God is standing with those who daily have their backs against the wall. Or as Reverend Dr. Kelly Brown Douglas is fond of saying, who have no wall even to place their backs upon. Remember the good news in both Luke and Acts is not that Jesus had been crucified, but that his crucifixion had been undone and reversed. Crucifixion often happened to those who who stood up to Roman oppression, those who were deemed a threat to the status quo that politically and economically uh, privileged some at the expense of the many. And in the gospel stories, Jesus lives, dies, and is resurrected in solidarity with those who are daily crying out for justice, for equity, for inclusion, and and mercy rather than sacrifice. This was the uh, community of those who who held tightly to the hope of the prophets that one day all injustice and oppression and violence would be put right. Their hope wasn't about getting to heaven after they died. Their hope was focusing on, on, on turning the world right side up once again. And, and, and the actions of the widow in our story this week is best understood, I believe, in that context. Luke adds, Jesus's comments to the story to to portray a God standing in solidarity with the oppressed rather with those rather than with those uh, who are socially politically and economically even religiously in in positions of power over others and the story I believe can give us hope. It gives hope to those who trust that God is standing with those who face injustice at the hands of those in power and those who who, who benefit from the way things are now, those who are threatened and and have much to lose if things become more equitable. Uh, The story of this widow, it reminds me of a statement by Sam Wells in the introduction to, to Ched Meyer's book, Binding the Strongman, a political reading of Mark's story. This was one of my favorite uh, quotations from this book uh, when I read it. It says, the one thing everyone seems to agree on today is that there's plenty wrong with the world. There are only two responses to this. Either go and put it right yourself, or if you can't, make life pretty uncomfortable for those who can until they do. When we take stock of our relationships with the powerful, we ask ourselves, does the shape of my life reflect my longing to see God set people free, and do I challenge those who keep others in slavery? That's what this widow did. 
She made the life of the magistrate uncomfortable until he did something. And we're called to do the same in relation to our legislators today. When was the last time you contacted your representative to share how you feel about, about society? When was the last time that, that you were a holy gadfly? And After all, power concedes nothing without demand. Remember the words of Frederick Douglass. This is, if there is no struggle, there is no progress in 1857. Notice that date. Frederick Douglass uh, stated, those who profess to favor freedom and yet dep uh, deprecate agitation are men who want crops without pl plowing up the ground. They want rain without thunder and lightning. They want the ocean without the author awful roar of its many waters. This struggle may be a moral one or it may be a physical one, and it may be both moral and physical, but it must be a struggle. Power concedes nothing without a demand. It never did, and it never will. As Jesus followers, we're called to be like the widow, crying out day and night to both our God and to those in power in our government. We are called to be people of the life-giving, death-overturning, resurrection, called to be part of undoing and reversing the personal and systemic injustice of our communities today. And some will say that the, the story of the widow is only about prayer and that it has a, an otherworldly point and, and a, a, an otherworldly application only. And that's a convenient interpretation for the judges in our day who hold power to shape our societies into safe communities for the marginalized and disenfranchised, but instead interpret laws in ways that do harm. I think of all those who are presently worried, whether by this time next year, whether they'll, they'll still have health care. I think of women and their doctors wondering whether they'll have a choice in how to treat their own bodies or manage their patients' care. I, I think of LGBTQ married friends, whether their government will still recognize their marriages with, with equal validity to mine. And that's why I don't interpret the story to be solely about prayer. That would leave injustice untouched in our present world and leave those who face oppression especially those who face oppression daily, it would leave them dangerously close to passivity. This widow not, not only cried out to her God day and night, but she also made life for the judge whose power she lived under pretty annoying uh, too. And, 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 and change doesn't happen, remember, without action. And action is how positive changes are maintained as well. Uh, may, may the actions that we choose today not require others to reverse them in the future. But if the, the positive changes of the last four decades are undone, if progress is reversed, then we'll be there for that too. And we have no control over what struggles we will be called to face in our lifetime. And I think about the times in which we're living right now. We only have the choice of how we'll respond uh, and, and what we'll choose to do in the limited time that each of us are given here. Heart group application this week, we at Renewed Heart Ministries are continuing to ask all of our heart groups to meet to not meet together physically at this time. Uh, there's ways that you can stay virtually connected and you can still practice your physical distancing while still connecting with one another. And when you do go out, remember, please keep a six-foot distance from others. Uh, wear a mask. We are setting record numbers here in the United States still. Continue to wash your hands to, to help to stop, uh, stop the spread of this virus. 
And remember, too, as we've often said, this is a time where you can still practice the resource sharing and the mutual aid found in the Gospels. Make sure that others in your group have what they need and, and, and work together prioritizing those that are, that are most vulnerable among you. Uh, number one this week, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, take some time to take stock of your relationship with those in positions of power. Discuss with your group how you may individually and even collectively push, like the widow in this week's story, for justice in our society. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working towards justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.